you're tuned in to the Neo Academy podcast. My name's Mark, and welcome to another episode of Neo Chats, deep dive conversations into the culture of education. Um, welcome everyone to uh, Neo Chats. Um, we're here with uh, Marcella Betancourt from uh, Bogota, from Escuela Moderna in, in Bogota. Um, and I wonder, sorry, Gimnasio uh, Moderno, no? And uh, would you like to introduce yourself just for our listeners who, who might not know your school, Marcella? Hi, I'm Marcella Betancourt. Um, I'm from Bogota, Colombia. I'm a speech therapist, but actually I have a master's degree in bilingual education and I work as a bilingual coordinator for Gimnasio Moderno. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you very much, Marcella. The pleasure is ours. And we're really lucky to have you here. So thank you for attending this Neo Chat today. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. We thought we might um, chat tonight about um, the, the wellness spaces, you know, the, the strategy that you implemented to help your students uh, or your pupils um, focus on their own well-being during the, mm -hmm. the pandemic um, because that, that's a it's a good topic right now and it'd be something that um, could be shared around the world as well and people would be very interested to hear um, because everyone is is trying to tackle it but you know everyone has their different ways of imp implementing it so it's a good time for knowledge sharing and so mainly really focusing on that if that's if that's okay and um yeah, it's perfect. Well, to be honest, at the beginning of, of the situation, that for us, it was in March, I guess, that for you was as well, that we closed like schools and we went into the virtual part. And what we did at the beginning, to be honest, is that we just switched the schedule that we had initially uh, at school, we switched it to the virtual part. That's what we did at the beginning. And we did it for a whole month. But we started feeling that uh, my, my school is Gimnasio Moderno. It's only a boys' school. And we started like feeling that the boys were not on the cameras. They were not attending classes. And we started to think, what's going on? Something's happening. They are not attending classes. They were not turning on the cameras. The teachers always take attendance. And there is where we made a stop and we said, hey, something's happening. Um, the students were not motivated and we said, well, what can we do? So at my school, we have been working with something that we call positive psychology. And positive psychology, it's like giving the students like the space to talk um, about their feelings mainly, uh, to talk about uh, um, like different things they were feeling at the moment. And that was like the first step of the first phase we did. So what we did is that we, we worked with Zoom as well, virtually. So we did like breakout rooms and we divided, we have like 25 or 24 students per class. We divided them with the psychologists and with the different experts we have in positive psychology. And we, the first phase, we call it the first phase of this whole uh, well-being um, spaces and the first thing that we did is uh, we did the break rooms and we told we told them okay talk express all the things that you want to express about the situation 
they were angry, they were frustrated, um, they were worried, they were scared, and they just start speaking out and saying, I'm scared, I don't know what's going to happen, I've been fighting with my parents, and they just started to speak out all these things to the psychologist. We took all this information, all this information, and through what we called home teachers, I don't know if you, you know what the home teachers is, like the tutor that they have, we try to filter all the things that they were expressing. Frustration, they were scared. Um, they were anxious, they were furious, and they were afraid they were gonna lose their friends. They were afraid of death. They were afraid of many, many, many things, yeah? So in the first phase, we took all the information and then we decided to open in the schedule that we had, for example, they had I don't know, five hours of math. We reduced the five hours of math to three hours of math. And we had two hours of what we call well-being. And the psychologists with the homeroom teachers, they started talking about different topics. Okay, if, if, uh, so we divided them in groups again. If they were, I don't know, furious with life, what's going on? So we had different chats and they started talking and they had different interactions with different boys of different levels talking, hey, how can you help me? Or why do you feel this way? And it was only interaction, talking and talking and talking and talking about the situation. And we were able to um, like detect those students that were really, really strong, yeah? And those that were really, really weak in the, in the situation. So those that were really weak in the situation, we send them straight to the psychologists and the ones that were really strong, yeah? We um, assign like different tutor positions to them to help other students that were the smaller ones, yeah? Once we did all these things, we were ready to open the well-being spaces. So what we did, we didn't talk anymore about the situation. We didn't talk about, hey, the pandemic. No, we just stopped talking about it. And what we did is, what would you like to do? Then we, we switched to the other way. What would you like to do? So let's play video games in the space, or let's do, I don't know, literature, or let's play chess, or let's play this, or I just wanna talk this, or I, have, I wanna have interaction with a girl's school because we are only boys. So they started proposing tons of uh, different situations or activities they wanted to do. So we reduced our schedule and we started proposing all these activities, but they were not proposed by teachers, but they were proposed by those students that we felt they were really strong. Yeah. So the strong students were the ones that were giving the well-being to the other students, to the students in other levels, and those that were really in a critical situations were the ones that the psychologists of the schools were treating them or working with them in other spaces. That was like the second phase that we worked with. And the third phase that we worked that it was like October, mid-October is that we asked the government if we could have some spaces in school and have different types of interaction which the government gave us permission. So for example, if we had a class of 25, and I don't know, 10 or eight students could go that day. So we made different schedules and they were able to go and everything was focused on interaction. Everything was focused on having the social 
spaces. They were not allowed to play football. They were not allowed to play basketball. They were not allowed to do anything. So at least if they could talk, it was a good space. And that, that space in school, I mean, having the mask and having gloves and having everything, I mean, all the, the legal things that we had was a really good thing. So we had like three phases of, uh, of the well-being and it went really well, went really well. So reducing the academic and giving yeah. more importance to the feelings. What were they feeling? Well, it makes perfect sense, doesn't it? I mean, you can't possibly focus on the academic unless, you know, the, the well-being is taken care of. But um, I'm ju just to summarize for, because I mean, there, there's a lot of, there'll be teachers watching this and, and school administrators and things who, who, you know, will be curious about the process. And just to, just to check that I've got this right. So you had a kind of, um, almost like a, a free a free form first phase where they were encouraged just to let loose like a brain dump, uh, express their feelings. And I guess because they already worked with um, the educational psychologist or the psychologist within the school, they were already comfortable yeah. in that space. You know? So they were able to just say exactly how they were feeling. And you, you use that as a, a diagnostic, if I understand. Almost yeah, the yeah, the yeah. Thing. The thing is, is when you start hearing all this, all these people talking, you immediately can just tell this one is really frustrated. Yeah. This one is taking things easier. Yeah, so you can take it like a diagnostic, more or less. And we had certain students that were really in a crisis. I mean, we had certain students that were really having a really bad time. So you were able to then, instead of trying to focus your your energies on everybody equally you were able to identify who was at most need and the the interesting thing and because we've talked a lot about this and and alejandra and i have talked a lot about um, things like peer teaching and you know taking the the hierarchy away a little bit and, and making it a little bit flatter and it sounds like that's what you've done there by um by appointing um, how, how how did you do this uh, when you, you you saw some of the students that seemed like a bit more together a bit more grounded a bit more in control and, and in touch with their feelings and you said hey you might be able to help some of your classmates I mean how did you how did you you know that's the expertise that the homeroom teachers have I mean yeah the, the teachers have this expertise and what I always say they have this eye and this feeling this sense to identify how the students are feeling that it's amazing they can tell you I mean, the student is struggling or they can tell you the student, I mean, he can be successful in any type of situation. So we trust in our homeroom teachers. And I think that's, the, that's why we are really successful in what we do because they have this feeling to identify things really good, but it's the expertise they have on things. Yeah. That okay. sounds just, just great. Um, Marcela, I, I do have one, one question for you because this is extremely inspiring, I believe, and I think we, we should be able to take this as best practices. This is only, uh, I mean, we're still in the middle of the pandemic. There are some schools still trying to figure out what to do, how to best help the kids. And as I was discussing uh, with you at some point, I think the school has become a place where it's no longer about the academics, and you mentioned it pretty clearly. And the, the actual um, uh, family has become now part of the school and vice versa. And I would like to know what were the comments or um, the, the conversations you had with parents 
around this initiative that you implemented? How was it perceived? Because themselves, they didn't know how to react, I believe. All of this was new for everyone. So maybe in some extent, the, the, um, uh, the exercises would have been interesting for parents to hear and apply for themselves as well. So I was wondering how was this perceived um, by parents? Oh, you can find any type of uh, opinion, but I would say like in 80% parents were really grateful because many of them, they don't know what to do with their kid at home. Yeah. And they struggle with kids at home and they don't know how to manage the feelings of their kids at home. Yeah. And when you start managing all this, that kids close the door, they don't want to turn on the video. They don't want to study. They don't want to get up. I mean, parents start like uh, being really worried with the situation. So they were, I would say like 80, 85% were really grateful with that. And that's what you see when we have like the meetings with parents say, thank you. Thank you for those spaces. Thank you for helping my kid. Thank you for listening to him because we gave them a lot of spaces to talk and talk and talk. And if they, they didn't want to talk in a, in a group session, teachers and coordinators and we had the space to talk with them individually yeah wow. and at any time if they wanted to talk at 7 a.m or at 7 p.m we wow. found the space to talk with them yeah because we were the oh we are the adults and supposedly we have the um we can hold on the situation and we have like the experience to manage the situation, even though we are struggling the same way because it's hard for us at the same time. But I think it was like the, the, the point of success that we had at school. I don't know if you heard that, many, oh, I don't know if it's happening worldwide, but here in Colombia, many parents are taking the decision to take uh, their kids out of school and saying, I'm gonna give them homeschooling. Um, for example, here in Colombia, Many of us, we send our kids to private schools and private schools are really expensive, yeah? We don't send our, our, our kids to public schools and my parents said, I'm not gonna pay anymore. I'm just gonna do homeschooling or online schooling to my kids. And at our school, I would say that we haven't had that problem as many other schools because here in our school, we hear our students, yeah? I know the academic part is something that we have to pay attention. But if our students are not emotionally balanced, who cares about the academic part? I mean, there's nothing to do with that. Yeah? So we are focusing more in the emotional part. Yeah, We're focusing more that we want to see their faces, that we want them to get up, we want them to take a shower. Yeah, and so we try to encourage them, hey, today's a new day, let's get up, let's, I mean, let's face life. And let's try to do many things, yeah? And asking for permission for them to go to school. And, and we know it was a risk, but we took all the, how would we say? We know it was a risk, yeah, but we, we knew that if we had it in a, in a really um, well think position and we did everything really organized, it was gonna be successful as well. And we did it, yeah? Mm -hmm. And we did it and came out really good. Can I ask Marcella, because it, it, it makes me think about um, the sort of emotional literacy side, because uh, 
you know, at the beginning, there's that reactive phase, you know, where um, you're encouraging your students to talk, you know, and and all of that. But of course, there's there's moments where, you know, you can't be all things to all people at all times. And I wonder, I, I was looking in your website, the kind of, um, you know, tratémonos bien desde casa, your kind of mm -hmm. all your exercises and things, mm -hmm. which look great. And I just wonder, you know, what, what did you do for them to sort of give them strategies to help cope themselves? You know, things like reflection and journaling. So, because you can't possibly support them all the time. Uh, you know, they have to kind of learn strategies to, to cope themselves. So how, how did you do that? Okay, then I'm, I'm telling you, it was really tough. It was really hard. Sometimes they didn't want to talk. They didn't want to do things because it's not as easy as it sounds. But yeah. we tried to use many different strategies. For example, the cell phone, it was an excellent strategy to use. Okay, let's use WhatsApp, for example, and let's write to each other. If you don't want to talk to me, okay, just whenever you feel that you need a word, just write something to me. So we exchange um, mobile numbers and all that, write to me something. And we start like, oh, send me a note or a friend. For example, for example, friends were really, really um, useful and they called the teachers, uh, I don't know. So-and-so is not feeling really good. What can I do with this friend that he's not feeling really good? So probably the teacher didn't intervene straight directly with the student, but through a friend, for example. So we started doing connections with other peers, yeah? So those are the types of strategies that we try to do. Solve uh, emails. I mean, we try to do many, many, many things. With the little ones, for example, because the little ones, four years old, five years old, it was hard for them. They didn't want to have exposure to the screen, yeah? They cried, yeah? So parents were saying, I don't want my, my kid to be, so we had sessions with parents. Not with the little ones, but we had sessions with parents that were really depressed. So we had these spaces with parents as well. So Marcela, th this to me seem seems amazing because you've gone uh, a step forward and you're becoming a, a, an extremely important pillar to the community now. Mm -hmm. So this is something that that I believe is, is great for other schools as well, as well to apply. And my question uh, would be extended now to, to maybe close the circle in terms of the community. We've talked about, about the kids, about the parents. What about you? What about the staff, the professors? They are taking care of the students. Who is taking care of them? How, how did that happen, basically? We take care of each other among <laughs> ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> the thing, the thing is that we have been trained at school, and if you want to uh, uh, read a little bit more about um, positive psychology, how I told you about, uh, I don't know if you heard about Sullivan, and they have all this theory about positive psychology, and I think we all have been trained on this. So we give support to each other. It's a community, and I, I'm telling you, we have struggled as well a lot. But for example, when I have a problem or I'm struggling here in school and I'm desperate, I call one of my colleagues, yeah? And I tell my colleague, I'm feeling desperate today. I don't wanna, <clears throat> I don't wanna turn my computer. I'm up to here. And I start hearing my colleague, don't worry, I'll take over for you. Don't worry, just do something else. So you feel the support from someone and it's really important. And that's what we do. We give support to each other, yeah? 
can I help you? Can I take over? Uh, don't go to this meeting. I'll, I'll let you know what happened in this meeting afterwards. Yeah, try to solve the problem for the other one. Just not being so in your circle, just opening to others. That is really important. Small things like that make a huge difference. Make a difference, exactly. Yeah, because yeah. we never know what's going on in the, life, in the lives of teachers mm -hmm. at home as well. It's not just the, mm -hmm. the stress of work, but I mean, they have their own things at home going on as well. So it's good to know you've got a circle there. I wonder about, um, you know, we, we seem to be, uh, you know, we're thinking about what comes next right now. You know, um, how do we go back into um, not normality, but maybe something new? And I'm wondering, uh, now that you've been through this huge learning experience this year of just adaptability to, uh, to a crazy level, just doing everything and, and being there for everyone and um, prioritizing emo emotional literacy and engagement, uh, well above the academic thing how does that go forward when you go back to um some kind of normality if you want to put it that way is there anything you do differently i mean has this influenced what comes next we are really worried about that as well mm -hmm. because supposedly we were going to go to normality the 25th of january supposedly the government was going to give us permission to go um into school like three days and two days stay virtually. That was the plan for Bogota at least, that all the schools in Bogota, we were going to school three days and we were gonna stay virtually two days. So we did a whole plan that we were gonna take advantage of those days that we were gonna go to school and we were gonna preserve our well-being spaces. So we were gonna just reduce the academic timetable and we were going to have sessions yeah vivid sessions with our students in school but that has changed and in Bogota we're going back to everything is going to be close so we're not going back and we're trying to design a new plan we don't have it yet and we know that we cannot keep doing the same as we were being doing because as well our students are tired now of the same we did it for one year we have to come up with new strategies now we haven't designed those new strategies because we were really hopeful that our new strategy was to do something different in school altogether now we cannot do it uh, because they closed or they told us that we could not do it one week ago we start school formally tomorrow so we <laughs> we're in, like in the middle of the things the only thing that we know is that we cannot keep doing the same because we just have to change because if we face the students again to talk and talk, they're going to be bored of it. Yeah. So we have to think on something different. Actually, we don't know uh, exactly what it's going to be. But um, one of the ideas that we have, I don't know if it's going to be that way. And um, the thing is that we don't have enough teachers. But what I was telling you, for example, we have 25, 26 students per class. What we were thinking is give uh, personalized classes and only have five or six students per class. Yeah? That means that the teacher will only give class to five or six students 
in the timetable. I don't know if you understand. So yep. she's going to be able to give math, but at the same time, she's going to have the time to work in the emotional part with those five or six students. The thing is that the teacher is going to have to work more hours. And that is a problem because we cannot pay more to the teacher. That's one thing. And we don't have more teachers because the school's not going to allow us to have more teachers. So we're trying to think what to do. But if we want to do it that way, it's impossible for a teacher to work with 10 students at the same time to do both things, academic and emotional. Yeah. And we want all the students to turn on the video. We want all the students to be connected, all the students to be uh, ready for learning. And it's impossible to do it with 10 to 12 students at the, time, at the same time. And it's more impossible to do it with 25 students. So we're trying to see what we can do, but actually we don't know. It's something that it came out like. Yeah. Which I believe it's, Absolutely fine. I think one thing that we've known all these years is there are things that are completely out of our control. And it's not like we can know everything. We can certainly try. Um, but there are things that we need to assume that, you know what, I need to stop here, take a step backwards and think again about what can we learn and what can we improve. So, um, Marcelo, I have one question for you in terms of the whole experience that you described. If you were to suggest for uh, a school um, that is in another geographical area and that has, I believe, other kind of struggles on top of what you already described, what would be your best advice to a school that is also in 2021 willing to integrate well-being spaces or take positive positivity within the curriculum as such for their kids? Um, do a mapping of your students. Exactly know where your students are standing. Because assuming that your students are ready, are ready for academic without knowing how they are feeling emotionally, it's not good. Know exactly where your students are standing. It's more important to know how they are feeling emotionally than academic. So if a school it's more interested in fulfilling all the academic without knowing how a student is feeling with all the situation, probably they're not going to have any type of success with that student. But if we encourage the student to be really um, strong emotionally, academics, and all the things will allow the students to go over the situation, this chaotic situation, yeah? Right. It's, it, 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 it's my recommendation. And for us, for us, really, really, we need to be really strong emotionally to overgo with this situation, yeah? Because you say, yeah, it's, the, it's I mean, it's COVID, it's the pandemic, it's all the situation, but it, it hurts, it hurts and, uh, it's difficult to go over with this. It's one year of being close. Imagine, we don't know if it's another year that we're gonna be in the same situation. We don't know if the vaccine is gonna work. We don't know, it's, it's some things. So emotionally, your mind starts to be really creative 
and that's hard for a student, that's hard for a teenager, that's hard for a 10 year old that say, hey, what's gonna happen with me? They are scared, they're anxious. That would be my recommendation. First, see how they are feeling emotionally. Make a diagnostic, for example. Hmm? Can I ask Marcella, because I'm curious, and I know that our, um, our listeners will be curious as well, because a, a lot of them are in Europe. Um, in a country like, for example, I'm in Scotland right now, and um, well-being is, is part, it's embedded in the curriculum. Um, not, I mean, we're, obviously what we're talking about here is something specific to the situation of the pandemic, you know, but it generally is that, you know, issues that we talk about in the curriculum and I wonder, uh, in Colombia, what is the situation? I mean, is well-being and emotional literacy part of the curriculum? Or is this something that every school has to decide how to manage it? Or Supposedly, I'm going to tell you, supposedly, <laughs> on paper. <laughs> Magic words, supposedly. <laughs> supposedly, it has to be. Yeah. And everybody talks about well-being. Yeah. And the Ministry of Education says that every single school has to work on work but if i tell you in the truth it's not the reality yeah schools they um are more interested or they they pay more attention on the academics than the well-being here in colombia for example in my school and many schools we have psychologists yeah and we have two or three psychologists per each school division for example yeah to attend all the different situations with the, with the students that I know, for example, that in England, that I, I go a lot, uh, we have an immersion program with schools in England. And for example, the schools that I take my students, they don't have a psychologist for the students, yeah? Supposedly they don't, we do. Yeah, we do, and they give them classes and they have private sessions. And supposedly that has to be included. But if you see it, it's not. It's not, yeah? yeah? Or they only pay attention to those students that are struggling or those students that are being a problem for the school, of course. yeah? But if you see the general of all the students, the 100% of the students, it's not happening. Another recommendation I would give you is that the really, the students that you can call them mature or you feel them really strong are the best psychologists, tutors, parents, and all that for the peers. I mean, it's amazing what a friend can do with another one, what a peer can do with another person, yeah? And sometimes schools don't allow others to help others. And it's important, it's important, yeah? And we have allowed our students to be empowered in that sense, and it has been really helpful.